0: Section twenty one of The Broad Highway. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Broad Highway by Geoffrey Farnall. Book Two, Chapter Nine, which relates somewhat of Charmian Brown. We were sitting in the moonlight now said charmian staring up at the luminous heaven let us talk willingly I answered let us talk of stars no let us talk of ourselves as you please very well you begin well I am a blacksmith yes so you told me before and I make horseshoes he is a blacksmith and makes horseshoes says charmian nodding at the moon and i live here in this solitude very contentedly so that it is only reasonable suppose that i shall continue to live here and make horseshoes though really i broke off letting my eyes wander from my companion's upturned face back to the glowing sky once more there is little i could tell you about so commonplace a person as myself That is likely to interest you No said Charmian evidently not Here my gaze came down to her face again so quickly that I fancied I detected the ghost of a smile upon her lips Then said I by all means let us talk of something else Yes, she agreed let us talk of the woman Charmian Charmian Brown a Tress of hair had come loose And hung low over her brow and in its shadow her eyes seemed more elusive more mocking than ever and While our glances met she put up a hand and began to wind this glossy tress round and round her finger Well said she Well said I supposing you begin But is she likely to interest you I think so yes aren't you sure then quite sure certainly Then why don't you say so? I thought you would take that for granted a Woman should take nothing for granted sir Then said I supposing you begin I've half a mind not to she retorted curling the tress of hair again, and then suddenly What do you think of Charmian Brown? I? Think of her as little as I can Indeed sir indeed said i and why pray because said i knocking the ashes from my pipe because the more i think about her the more incomprehensible she becomes have you known many women very few i confess but but i'm not altogether unfamiliar with the sex for i have known a great number in books our blacksmith said charmian addressing the moon again has known many women in books his knowledge is therefore profound and she laughed may i ask why you laugh at me oh said she don't you know that women in books and women out of books are no more the same than day and night or summer and winter and yet there are thousands of women who exist for us in books only laura beatrice Trojan Helen, Aspasia, and glorious Frine, and hosts of others. I demurred. Yes, but they exist for us only as their historians permit them, as their biographers saw or imagined them. Would Petrarch ever have permitted Laura to do an ungracious act, or anything which, to his masculine understanding, seemed unfeminine? And would Dante have mentioned it had Beatrice been guilty of one? A man can no more understand a woman from the reading of books than he can learn Latin or Greek from staring at the sky. Of that, said I, shaking my head, of that I am not so sure. Then, personally, you know very little concerning women, she inquired. I have always been too busy, said I. Here, Charmian turned to look at me again. Too busy? she repeated. As though she had not heard aright. Too busy? Much too busy. Now, when I said this, she laughed, and then she frowned, and then she laughed again. You would much rather make a horseshoe than talk with a woman, perhaps? Yes, I think I would. Oh, said Charmian, frowning again, but this time she did not look at me. You see, I explained, turning my empty pipe over and over rather aimlessly. When I make a horseshoe, I take a piece of iron, and, having heated it, I bend and shape it, and with every hammer stroke, I see it growing into what I would have it. I am sure of it from start to finish. Now, with a woman, it is different. You mean that you cannot bend and shape her like your horseshoe, still without looking towards me? I mean that that I fear I should never be quite sure of a woman as I am of my horseshoe Why you see said Charmian beginning to braid the tress of hair a woman cannot at any time be said to resemble a horseshoe very much can she Surely said I surely you know what I mean There are Laura and Beatrice and Helen and Aspasia and frine and Hosts of others said Charmian Nodding to the moon again. Oh, yes our blacksmith has read of so many women in books That he has no more idea of women out of books than I of sanskrit and In a little while seeing I was silent she condescended to glance towards me Then I suppose under the circumstances you have never been in love In love I repeated and dropped my pipe in love the Lord forbid why pray because love is a disease a Madness coming between a man and his life's work love said I it is a calamity Never having been in love himself our blacksmith very naturally knows all about it said charmian to the moon I Speak only of such things as I have read I began More books she sighed Words of men much wiser than I poets and philosophers written when they were old and gray-headed Charmian broke in when they were quite incapable of judging the matter though many a great philosopher loved now Didn't he to be sure said I rather hipped. Dionysius lambienus I think says somewhere that a woman with a big mouth is infinitely sweeter in the kissing and Do you suppose he read that in a book she inquired glancing at me sideways? Why as to that I answered a philosopher may love but not for the mere sake of loving For whose sake then I wonder a Man who esteems trifles for their own sake is a trifler But one who values them rather for the deductions that may be drawn from them. He is a philosopher Charmian rose and stood looking down at me very strangely. So, said she, throwing back her head, so, throned in lofty might, superior Mr. Smith thinks love a trifle, does he? My name is Vibart, as I think you know, said I, stung by her look or her tone or both. Yes, she answered, seeming to look down at me from an immeasurable attitude, but I prefer to know him just now as superior Mr. Smith. "'As you will,' said I, and Rose also. But even then, though she had to look up to me, I had the same inward conviction that her eyes were regarding me from a great height, wherefore I attempted, quite unsuccessfully, to light my pipe. And after I had struck flint and steel vainly, perhaps a dozen times, Charmian took the box from me, and, igniting the tinder, held it for me while I lighted my tobacco. "'Thank you.' said i as she returned the box and then i saw that she was smiling talking of charmian brown i began but we are not then suppose you begin do you really wish to hear about that humble person very much then you must know in the first place that she is old sir dreadfully old but said i she really cannot be more than twenty-three or four at the most She is just twenty-one, returned Charmian rather hastily. I thought. Quite a child. No, indeed, it is experience that ages one, and by experience she is quite two hundred. The wonder is that she still lives. Indeed, it is. And being of such a ripe age, it is probable that she, at any rate, has been in love scores of times. Oh said i puffing very hard at my pipe or fancied so said charmian that i replied that is a very different thing do you think so well isn't it perhaps very well then continue i beg now this woman charmian went on beginning to curl the tress of hair again hating the world about her with its shams its hypocrisy and cruelty "'Run away from it all one day, with a villain.' "'And why with a villain?' "'Because he was a villain.' "'That,' said I, turning to look at her, "'that I do not understand.' "'No, I didn't suppose you would,' she answered. "'Hm,' said I, rubbing my chin. "'And why did you run away from him?' "'Because he was a villain.' "'That was very illogical,' said I. "'But very sensible, sir.' here there fell a silence between us and as we walked now and then her gown would brush my knee or her shoulder touch mine for the path was very narrow and did you i began suddenly and stopped did i what sir did you love him said i staring straight in front of me i ran away from him and do you love him I suppose said charmian speaking very slowly I suppose you cannot understand a woman hating and loving a man admiring and despising him both at the same time no I can't can you understand one glorying in the tempest that may destroy her riding a fierce horse that may crush her or being attracted by a will strong and masterful before which all must yield or break I think I can. Then said Charmian, this man is strong and wild and very masterful, and so I ran away with him. And do you love him? We walked on some distance ere she answered, I don't know. Not sure then? No. After this, we fell silent altogether, yet once when I happened to glance at her, I saw that her eyes were very bright beneath the shadow of her drooping lashes, and that her lips were smiling, and I pondered very deeply as to why this should be. Re-entering the cottage, I closed the door, and waited the while she lighted my candle. And having taken the candle from her hand, I bade her good night, but paused at the door of my chamber. You feel quite safe here? Quite safe. Despite the color of my hair and eyes, you have no fear of Peter Smith? None. Because he is neither fierce nor wild nor masterful? Because he is neither fierce nor wild, she echoed. Nor masterful, said I. Nor masterful, said Charmian, with averted head. So I opened the door, but, even then, must needs turn back again. Do you think I am so very different from him? As different as day from night, as the lamb from the wolf, said she without looking at me. Good night, Peter. Good night, said I, and so going into my room, I closed the door behind me. A lamb said I, tearing off my neckcloth, and sat for some time listening to her footsteps and the soft rustle of her petticoats going to and fro. A lamb said I again, and slowly drew off my coat. As I did so a little cambric handkerchief fell to the floor and I kicked it forthwith into a corner a Lamb said I for the third time, but at this moment came a light tap upon the door Yes, said I without moving. Oh How is your injured thumb? Thank you. It is as well as can be expected Does it pain you very much it is not unbearable said I? Good night Peter And I heard her move away, but presently she was back again. Oh, Peter, well, are you frowning? I-I think I was. Why? When you frown, you are very like him and have the same square set of the mouth and chin. When you are angry, so don't, please don't frown, Peter. Good night. Good night, Charmian, said I, and stooping. I picked up the little handkerchief and thrust it under my pillow. End of Book Two, Chapter Nine